Welcome to the Adoption Journey Podcast. This is your host, Tarsha Smith, and welcome back to yet another week of your favorite adoption podcast. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, like, share, do all those things. If you're checking us out on Spotify or Amazon, give us a like, give us five stars because you know you're loving this podcast, right? So without further ado, I have another fellow adoptee in the building today. He is not only an adoptee, he is an, a biracial adoptee. So let's welcome Maven Breedlove. Hey, Maven. Hello. Hi, Tarsha. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Well, thank you. For and having. you're welcome. So I love to start out with one of my favorite questions are, how old were you when you found out you were adopted? And what was your childhood like with your adoptive family? Yikes. Let's start there. Okay. Um, so I was adopted at the age of four. I found out I was adopted when I was 17. Um, I found okay. out from my grandmother, actually. Uh, I remember, you know, growing up, me and my adoptive mom would have like a lot of um, clashings. And I remember just talking to my grandma like, oh, I feel like I'm adopted. And she's like, you are. And oh, that's basically how I found out I was 17 in high school. Um, oh, wait, stop right there. Because how did you feel? Um, so growing up, I actually had like some kind of, I you know, ideation surrounding like me being adopted because I only had pictures from four and up and I had some memories that nobody could explain to me that I remembered. So they were like these memories. I only had pictures from four and up. And I would always ask my mom, like, am I adopted? And she would say, does God make mistakes? And I would say no. And then she would say, there's your answer. So I would like take the no as like, well, my mom said I'm not, so I must, I must not be. But prior to finding out from my grandmother that confirming the adoption, I actually would have family members who would drop little seeds like, hey, you know you're adopted, right? You know you're adopted, right? And I'm like, you know, brushing it off, like whatever. Or even we would have instances where we would be in the grocery store because, you know, my sister and I are like, you know, like fair skin and we have a brown skin mother and mm. in the grocery store and a random stranger, like, you know, would approach us. Hey, are these your kids? Like, you know, you're darker than they are. And my mom would like, you know, shoo them away. So they were always like little droplets of like. Why would people say that? Yes. <laughs> what was interesting is like, we actually looked like we could have came from our family because my mother is a brown skin woman and my father is a light skinned man. So it like was yeah. very, very fitting in a way. Because we come in all shades, family. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so you find out in this very, I don't know, like let's rip the Band-Aid off type of way. Yes, yes. And no, no baby pictures. Okay, so you are biracial. Were you adopted by a white family or a black family? I was adopted by a black family. So... Uh, I'll get into the birth stuff later because I feel like it's just like a whole process of that. But um, my family okay. is black and I'm, I basically identify as a black person, um, like fully. Um, sometimes I kind of disregard my biracial roots, to be honest. Um, but growing up, it was another question I think you asked about, like, how was it growing up? Growing up, I felt like we, my sister and I like grew up very nicely. Um, my, my parents were great parents. I think the only downfall really was they just did not know how to navigate the adoption like talk about it uh, provide a safe space for it and really just come to terms with the reality of what it was that we are adopted like you know we're not biologically yours so accepting that themselves but outside of that 
they were astounding parents. Um, okay, that's. And then my next question: Your sister is this your biological sister, or is she adopted also? Yes, so she is my biological sister. Um, however, we have different birth fathers, so we have the same birth mother. Um, okay. So we're about five years apart. So I was adopted first, and then after. Sorry, my dog is barking. It's okay. <laughs> um, and then about five years later, um, my sister was born and my parents also adopted her as well. Okay, that's interesting that they adopted from the same birth mother. Yes. But I'm sure you're going to get into that because I need, I need the tea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so being you had a great childhood, then you find out. So once you find out, how do you start navigating life? Does life look different? Did you now have this identity thing, crisis maybe? What did it look like for you after? I'm like, maybe, question mark? Absolutely. Like, there was uh, a very serious identity crisis. I think I had a lot of anger um, because the way I was, like, perceiving things is the two main people you're supposed to trust in the most in the world are your parents. Mm. And you, you like, i.e., my parents, like, you lied to me. And it was like, after I asked, I like I was told no so I trusted your no and when I found out that no you know was actually like a lie it made me feel like if you're lying about this what else are you lying about Ooh. and it made me feel like alone in the process of like you know you have answers or keys to me understanding the memories that I had that no one could explain to me but you won't give them to me so it resulted in a lot of anger um, I started experimenting with a lot of um, drugs, um, substance abuse, um, hanging around really bad people. Uh, I started to do a lot of self-mutilation, like I was cutting myself. Um, I was institutionalized about three times because of how serious the uh, processing the adoption was by myself. Because basically, like when I found out, my father kind of communicated everything that he knew, um, but it wasn't really a lot. My mother completely shut down. She was more so upset at my grandmother even sharing my adoptive past and would completely deflect anything just relating to me trying to understand. So I started early to kind of, you know, have the mindset of like, I can't come to you about this. So it was more so like a lot of inward struggles. Um, so to answer your question, uh, a lot of anger um, and a lot of identity issues. Wow. I wonder, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but was it in your mother's, in her head anyway, she was never going to tell you and this is what life was going to be? And To be honest, I think it was definitely that um, because the adoption was a close adoption. And um, what was really interesting is like, as I got older, a lot of my family members thought that we knew. So that was even more like misleading, like, to the outside, it seemed like we knew, but we actually didn't. And, you know, now I'm just, you know, saying from a, a current perspective, I think yeah. what I've learned about my family is like, you know, I feel like in the black community, sometimes we have this toxic loyalty thing going on, where it's like, you know. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it's just like, I'm gonna withhold something because it's protecting you, but actually it's damaging me. It's damaging. Than, like, you know, helping. So I think that from their view is like, oh, you're ours and which, I can appreciate, but also like, I'm a person that appreciates truth more than like, you know, withholding information. Like right. just give me the, give me the rocks first. Um, so I think, uh, I think, yes, I think that it was, the motive was to just, you know, 
oh, this is getting to, to another subject that I'm kind of passionate about because sometimes I feel like as an adopted person, I start thinking on a deeper level of like, um, you purchased a son and I have to be compliant to that purchase. And I think that, um, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, it's a very interesting question, but I think yes, to answer your question, yes. And do you think had you learned early, like I always talk about tell, I'm gonna talk to the family real quick. Family, adoptive family, tell them early, stop gatekeeping. Yes. Do you think it would have been better for you had you learned early? I think that um, if we could rewrite things, like if I would have came to my mom when asking initially and she hit me with the yes, you are, let's talk about this. I think that things would have been perceived so differently because it was kind of like, like I'm the type of person where if you keep something from me, I'm going to be nosy and I'm going to go through stuff to figure it out. What is it about us adoptees? You know what? I'm finding out that's something we all have in common. We so nosy. I think it's distrust, actually. Like, I just think it's like a defense mechanism of like, I get the feel that you're lying to me. If we go digging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of like nonstop digging. Like, I have to like, even now in my adulthood, say, Chris, Maven, you know, you, you solved everything. There's no, there's nothing else you need to get there. You know, and like, this underlying need of like, what else do I need to solve? What else do I need to find? And sometimes like there's nothing else to find because we yeah. have everything. And I think that, you know, sometimes I notice myself personally, like I will go back to the past just because I feel like I have to, even though I'm no longer in the past. That is interesting. I have that same characteristic mm-hmm. where I just keep digging, even though, girl, you got everything. What, what else What else do you need to know? Yes. So, Wow. Okay, so you get into this self-destructive phase in your life. How do you overcome that? Or what what happens next? Because the next question I'm going to ask is, I need the birth story. Did you find your birth parents? Do you know the story? Whew, okay. Whew, here we go. <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, so I guess to answer the, the second question first. Okay. How did I overcome that? Uh, I actually think my birth parents were healing components to Mm. uh, me overcoming things. So I've been in reunion with my birth family for going on seven years now. Um, My birth mother and birth father are, they're not together, um, but I have uh, my birth mother who is a white woman and my birth father who's a black man. Um, I have seven half siblings on my birth father's side and I have uh, a older sister on my birth mother's side. So in in whole, I have eight siblings from my birth. So you've met mother and father. Yes. So oh, I basically should get into the story of that. So basically how that came about was um, I was in a, a really long-term relationship and the person kind of kept telling me, you're projecting your abandonment issues onto me, you know, got me an ancestry report thing, uh, just kind of like kind of pushed me like, you need to figure out this adoption stuff. Like, you know, you you're sweeping stuff under the rug like it doesn't impact you. And it kind of motivated me, like, all right, well, maybe I should kind of pick this up. Um, And so I actually wrote to the adoption registry, uh, I want to say in 2016. Um, I wrote everything that I remembered, um, and then I sent uh, a picture of my uh, driver's license. And then about maybe like 
a few weeks later, I get a, a um, something in the mail saying, oh, we found your record on microfilm. It's going to take 12 weeks to process. So then after the 12-week period, I get like a 100-page packet of like names, doctor reports, like everything, like just stuff. I've Are you serious? Yes. Like I've never even like saw some of the stuff, but it was actually triggering because my whole life, the, the name that I remembered was Brenda. And that's the name of my birth mother. I always remembered that name. And even when I was in college, they would have this game called who is Brenda? Where is Brenda? And they would write that on the chalk of the floor. And that was like, you know, I always in the back of my head where I started weeping, where I'm like, I remember that name. And that was my birth mother's name. So um, then after that, you know, in my papers, they said my birth father was nowhere to be found. Um, and they had uh, said my birth mother was incarcerated. They also had misleading information. They said my birth father was white and my birth mother was black. So they actually reversed the... Uh, you know what? You're the second person I've heard say that. And I'm wondering if they do that to throw off the trail. Yes. I, I think yeah. I think you're the second person I've heard say that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it was um, and it was just really interesting. And so then after that, um, I ended up, you know, I'm, again, I'm going to go against the grain. So I was going against the grain of like, OK, you say she's incarcerated, but let me do some background checks and find her myself to see what was going on. So I paid for a little background check, looked her up, and then I printed out my um, some of my adoption papers and I pulled up to her house and um, she wasn't there the first time. So I ended up going back a second time and I. Uh, still actually oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. You went to her house? Yeah, I just drove to her house with the paper. You just rolled up. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah. And I just like pull up. And then um, the first time she wasn't there, the second time she ended up being there. And then I asked her to see her ID because I wanted to confirm like who she was. Um, and it matched. And I mind you, I had everything recorded too. And so I was very like, I, it was like emotion was gone. And she was compliant? Yes. Like she literally, like she, she named my birthday. She named my sister's birthday um, immediately, like just upon like interacting. So I knew she was who she said she was. So we talked, I went in her house for about an hour. We talked for about an hour. I had a series of questions and she just answered everything. And we took a picture and then I took her contact information and I said, if I need you, I'll call you on private. I don't want you to have my number. Cause I was also protecting my sister that I grew up with growing up. My, once I knew that I was adopted, we're going to backtrack here. Once I knew I was adopted, my parents would kind of threaten me. Like, if you tell your sister, these are going to be the consequences. Oh my gosh. I had to like, like battle this thing of like not telling my sister, but also making sure my sister viewed my parents is still safe out, outside of my own experience. So it was like, I was right. like protecting her, but also grew animosity towards her for her being protected and not me. It's hard to explain. But anyway, um, I was also protecting my sister in the sense with my birth family, because I didn't want them to, pry in. I didn't know what they were going to do. So I just was, you know, trying to remain in control of the situation. I am still on the fact that you just pulled up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted answers. Um, actually, like, I just, I just felt like I wanted answers because I needed an explanation to like, what is the truth? Like from what I heard from my family is, oh, your birth mother was a drug addict. She was a slut. She was this, she was that. And mm -hmm. I had this negative view of her before I even met her. So I, right kind of came to her with like, I was kind to her still in the question, but I still had a, a negative mindset of like, I don't like you already, you know, without really even. Um, and then she actually gave me information leading me to my birth father. So about two days later, mind you, this happened all in like less than a week. So this happened like in a week after 25 years, uh, I ended up 
doing background check on my birth father. Same thing, printed out the paper, pulled up on him. And hey, can I see your ID? Report. You're a savage. You're like, <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> and um, um, just pulled up on him, asked him, like, you know, hey, can I see your ID? And we talked for about 20 minutes. Um, and he wanted a paternity test. Um, and so maybe about like, uh, four days later, we met at a coffee shop and then we, you know, did this uh, little swab thing that you submitted in and then you paid for the lab fee. Anyway, long story short, he came back 99.999997% my biological father. So he was confirmed to be my biological father. Um, it's, and- it's so interesting that these two individuals were so compliant because I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. What would have happened if you pulled up and they didn't want to have anything to do with you? And they were like, nope, we're not doing this. Honestly, I think that I would be in jail. Um, I'm not even going to lie to you because I did. I wasn't even thinking that far ahead. Like, I literally had zero expectations of anything. I had zero expectations of finding anything. I had zero expectation of having a relationship. Like, I didn't have any expectations. And I think that that is like what kind of kept me like constantly in the pursuit of like trying to understand things because i feel like when you try to have an expectation or oh i'm gonna go into this looking for a relationship like everything kind of changes so i think that to answer your question i think that i i would i would have felt rejected and been in jail um and i think Mm. everything that i kind of put my adoptive family through with my anger of identity issues i think would have went from them to them in the sense of like looking at rejection or like withdrawing information is the same thing. And I think that they would have bared the brunt of all of my anger. And then, you know, from a stranger perspective, it's like, I don't know you, so I'm calling the police. So I think that that is what would have happened. Um, But I truthfully think what I like to think is like my birth parents have had 25 years away from me. And I think that they have been humbled in a sense spiritually where uh, like the first thing that my birth father said when I found him was like, I've been praying. I've been praying that if I had another child out there, that God would allow me to meet him. So I think on a spiritual level, mm. parents have this like awareness of like their own um, downfalls. Like immediately there was no, oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Hey, I left you. I was on drugs. This is what happened to me. Like I and I think as an adoptee, sometimes we go into it expecting things like pointing the finger. But we also need to have a mindset of like understanding their perspective so when i heard hey my birth mother was using drugs because she lost both of her parents in a year my birth father was on drugs because he had his own things that he went through it helped me empathize and extend forgiveness because i want forgiveness so it it just kind of had that mindset a little bit that kind of helped things like diffuse a little bit in the situation because they were accountable when accountability is not present then i think that that's when emotions amp up a lot more because you the birth parent you're not taking responsibility. So how can I respect someone who's not taking responsibility for their actions? I love it. Okay. So we meet them, you roll up on everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next? Do you then meet your siblings? Yes. Start developing relationships. What's next? So basically, yes. Like after a few visits and stuff, um, I started meeting uncles on my, birth mother side literally like they look just like me were to the point where I was staring I, I was staring at them and I remember 
I, can I touch your ears? Like, can I, I just want to touch your ears. Like, you know, I, I don't know why. I just wanted to touch their ears. Look at I know why. I can, I can relate to that. Because as an adoptee, when you grow up and nobody looks like you, you've never seen anybody that looks like you. Yes. So when you see it for the first time, especially as an adult, it's, it's wild. Yes. Like, wow. I get that. I experienced that. Yes. It's like very overwhelming to the point where you're like kind of like in shock a little bit. And I think that even now to this day, like I'm just now coming to a point of acceptance, almost seven, going on eight years. Like now with it, like I'm still accepting. But even when I look at them sometimes, I'm like, I came out of you. Like you, like you, like what? It's just such a, it's just very overwhelming. Um, But to answer your question, I did start, I started meeting my siblings. Um, I've only met six out of the eight. There's two that I have not met yet still, but that's because they don't they don't live uh, where we live. Um, and I want to say out of the six that I've met, there were two specifically that I really, really connected with, like really, really connected with. Um, so I talked to my oldest brother and my, um, I guess she would say like maybe like the third eldest sister. Um, I still talk to them, but the other ones over time have kind of like, like, I love them, but it's so complicated for me to, like, I'm not going to force connections. Like, I love them, and I know they're my siblings, but the zing thing that I have with the other two, I just don't have with the other ones. And so um, we met. Um, I started going around on holidays and stuff, and it was actually a big mind screw because I would start to feel this, like, tug and pull where, you know, with my adopted family, we already have a strained relationship because I'm vocal about the adoption, and they don't like that. Mm. So it's like... I've stopped going around them for like two to three years during holidays mm. and I was spending those holidays with my birth family. So it would be really overwhelming. Like on a technical level, I'm like, I'm having holidays with strangers who I just met and I'm missing my family. But it was also on an emotional level. They it felt right. Yeah. It's like really hard to explain. Like my adoptive family, like I like emotional vulnerability. Like I, I thrive off of it. To me, that is like the essence of like true connection. And my, my adoptive family like lacked in the sense of like being accountable for like, hey, I was wrong for withholding the adoption from you. Hey, I was wrong for making threats for keeping your sister private about the adoption that are not like, I'm still waiting on that acknowledgement. And meanwhile, my birth parents like immediately came out the, the guns blazing with accountability. And it was like, that was so attractive where I feel like once there's accountability and you can be accountable, then that turns for true connection because there's no elephant in the room. So from my perspective with my birth parents, like they love me in the way that I need. So like, let's say if I'm having a bad day, again, it took over seven years to get here. If I'm having a bad day, I'm more than likely to call my birth parents and my adoptive parents because they'll they'll literally drop anything that they're doing. They, they'll listen and they're attentive. And it's just, wow. I don't know. And so it's been quite a few years at this point, you've developed these relationships. It is what it is. And you're adopted. Is it more your adoptive mother than your father? Or is it both that just can't handle this? To be brutally honest, I think it's definitely more so my adoptive mother. Because in private, my father will validate me. But in front of her, he will not validate me. So, yeah, that's because you got to go home at night. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of weird to me. Like, I actually started reading about um, narcissistic family dynamics. And I think that... Ooh. That is a subject matter for another day, but I think that that's definitely that's a whole another podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> highly prevalent in um, specifically Black adoptive mothers because I've actually started to like connect with other Black adoptees 
um, over like the last two years. And we all have this commonality of like uh, something with the mother. Like, and I think that that definitely needs to be like broken down or like further understood. And I think that um, for me, I could recognize, okay, like my mother couldn't have children. So I think that maybe she viewed us as like, you know, you are my way of having children and kind of told herself a story that really wasn't the truth. And it's hard to get out of that, you know, reality that you've told yourself for over 25 plus years. And see, that's how I know that my story, I know my story is rare because my adoptive parents were a hundred percent behind me when I went to write, when I found my birth parents and thought that it should happen and encouraged it to happen. They've met my brothers. Uh, yeah. That's like the dream. I know. Like I know. <laughs> oh, like so fortunate. I just want to say like you were so fortunate to have that because I'm like I'm like getting tears a little bit because I feel like that is like how it should be because you shouldn't have to feel like you have to pick a side like and it's like on a human level it's like ego, it's all ownership, but on a spiritual level, it's like all forgiveness and love. Like, so there really shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. And I didn't know that it, I was, it was rare until I also started meeting other black adopt, black in particular yeah. adoptees. And I was like, oh, okay. So what happened to me? That's, that doesn't happen. No. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that now. I know now, but I'm just trying to get in the mind of your adoptive mother in particular, like, what do you want? Like it, maybe it starts when you adopt, maybe there's some counseling or something that needs to happen that says, okay, look, you're adopting this child, but please be prepared. Even though it's a closed adoption, that is, that may not take away that urge that that child is going to feel wanting to know their birth parents like are those conversations being had is that counseling being had or are they just saying here's your baby enjoy your life and not setting the expectation for the adoptive parents i think definitely in the older days like um because something my father reiterates is we didn't know and we don't know how to correct it and i think that that is like very telling to me. It's like they really didn't know, and I think from their perspective, it's like we got a child, and you know that are out. And something that I think about, I think it should be a requirement that adoptive parents pursue ongoing therapy because I personally, I've been in therapy for over sixteen years. So Good for you, yes. Yeah, so in my head, I'm like, wait, I've been in therapy for sixteen years. Yet yeah, I'm crazy. Yet yeah, my my family cannot commit to one single you know therapy appointment. And it's like as an adoptee. I feel like I try really hard to educate them on how to deal with me or deal like correcting the adoption is talking about the adoption. And if you don't, if you don't talk about it to me, it's you're dismissing the adoption and you're dismissing my emotion. And that is like kind of dropping bars right now. (laughs) It's so complicated. Like, you know, and I just think that there should be, um, beyond counseling like there needs to be like if you if you adopt a child you're you're open to the possibility of them you know having the desire to like meet their birth family and i think that like uh having like different trainings where it's not about you it's never about you and the parenting like sometimes i feel like some people when people listen to like my story oh what did your parents do they didn't do anything they didn't I do anything like, i'm i'm human yes 
and I have feelings and I have desires and you knew you knew you were adopted. Yes. Just no one would validate it. You yeah. knew like. Yeah. And for me, I knew, but it wasn't anything I felt is what I saw. Mm. I didn't look like anybody. And when I did ask the question, I was much younger than you. They were like, yeah, but I was little. I was a little girl. Interesting. So. What age were you adopted, if you don't mind me asking? Say that again. What age were you adopted, if you don't mind me asking? Five weeks. Oh, see, that is very interesting because I feel like what I've noticed with uh, adoptees that have been like adopted a lot um, like sooner they have a more uh, stable, they're more stable in their emotions. So like- my I don't know, you know what? I can speak to that. Hmm. It's not, I don't think it has any, I don't think it's so much to do with how young I was when I was adopted. I think it has everything to do with, I found out early. Hmm. I think because in my opinion, I grew up knowing what adoption was and appreciating it for what it was. Hmm. Like I was excited. I tell the story often like, I was at school for show and tell and my show and tell was, oh, I'm adopted. Like I was excited <laughs> because I grew up with that. On the flip side, I know people like you who found out when they were 17 and 18 and they were adopted very young and had a reaction just like you did. You lied to me. I'm angry. I need a minute to get over this. Yes. So I think it's all about telling the adoptee early. I think that's the key. I think that you're absolutely right. Like, I feel like as, as soon as you're asked the question, like, you should do that. But I also feel like you should beat the child to the punch of even before, like, they shouldn't have to be in a, in a, in a state of even developing the question of asking. Because to me, that that's presenting an air of secrecy in some way where they have to, like, ask the question for confirmation. I feel like it should be given, like, as soon as... Uh, it was this one family, they were, uh, uh, inter he was an interracial adoptee, so he was uh, black, but his parents were white. And I remember having dinner with the family and just kind of like observing. And something that I truly loved that they did is they had a song that they would sing to him. He was literally like maybe five or six. And they had a song where they would sing to him, oh, you know, your, your mommy bunny this, something, something. And I, I loved it because it was actually instilling uh, a positive role of his birth mother instead of him hearing negativity surrounding her early I feel like it could like let's say if he did get older and did want to meet her he wouldn't have this uh hostility that he didn't ask for towards mm. her and it was just so positive to like like see the separation of like how you know his adoptive parents like view their role in his life like you know outside of like ownership like I feel like sometimes how I personally have felt in my adoption was I would label myself as a pet. Like I felt like if I wasn't um, compliant with like what you purchased, then I would not receive a mother and father. But if That's I- some strong language. <laughs> like if, I, if I remained compliant of like not talking about the adoption, not talking about my feelings or not talking about my birth family, I would receive mother and father. But I'm recognizing that like, you know, that's also a lot of inner work that like I still have to do is like separating the depths of that because sometimes it's not that deep, but it also is that deep where a lot of people don't don't see those things. And I think that as adoptees, sometimes we develop this sense of like being overly analytical as a defense mechanism, but it's actually necessary to like understand ourselves. And I feel like people can't they can't overanalyze the same way we can because they don't have the same depth of like how we feel. 
Hmm. Yeah, we are a club all by ourselves. And if you've never walked in these shoes, mm. you really can't understand. No matter what, our our stories are all different. Mm. But we're certainly a club. Mm. <laughs> and like no outsiders allowed. Like it it it's so different. Um so now you're here navigating this world. And what is life like today for Maven? What do we look like now? Do you mind if I actually, before answering that question, um, I feel like this is also an interesting part. I actually Please. want to share the memory and then the foster care because prior to being adopted, I was actually- Ooh, actually yes, yes, hmm. go. <laughs> so I was in two foster care homes prior to being adopted. And I remember the only memory that I have is I remember there was this lady with like a bob who was in the kitchen who would be cooking. I shared a bed with a white woman and a black man. Um, and then I remember there was two men who were always fighting. There was one guy who had like a gap in his mouth and he had an apple hat and they were always arguing. And I remember sitting in the corner with a coloring book and there was a lady who would always kneel on her knees and blow smoke, blow cigarette smoke in my face. And then I remember my mom and dad came in a Honda Accord 19 something, I forgot the model. And I never went back to that place again. So that was the memory that I've always had my whole life that nobody could explain to me, but I remembered. And then when I got in the song, you remember that P. Diddy song, I'm Coming Out? That song was playing as I was leaving that place. And what's interesting was when I got that 100-page packet that I was telling you about, I started doing research on the foster care family. And I started driving to find the first um, family. Um, Pulling up on people. <laughs> interesting because the second, the, the first family, uh, they did not give the names. And I think okay. that I was abused in that home because it kept, it kept saying that I was fearful of a man there and that they removed me for compliance um, issues or some or regulation issues or something like that. Then I was in the second home. So I ended up finding the second home um, and they're, I think they were like, uh, I forgot their names, started with like an L or something. And I ended up finding them. And what was interesting in finding them was they had a whole photo album of me at the age of two years old with a bunch of kids in the foster care home that I've never seen before. So I was able to see myself at two years old and, and then oh. also backtracking. My birth mother had one baby picture of me. So it took me 25 years to see me as a baby. So I had the reverse to go back to even see myself as a baby but the foster care people had a whole photo album of like pictures of me with other kids in the home um but yeah that was the last piece that i felt like was really interesting and they, you told your adoptive parents this memory like why do i have this memory no i've never i've like ah. when I saw how they would respond i completely shut down like i actually it, it maybe I told them like maybe after like almost like a year and a half of me finding my birth family like I kept it very secretive because I didn't want to hurt them because I recognized they didn't have the emotional maturity to really navigate the adoption and I didn't okay like labeled as bad um, so yeah wow okay so you were adopted at four mm -hmm. okay yeah that's pretty yeah you definitely start having memories by then which is even more interesting because you were four. So why would they think that you had zero memories at four? Your think, adoptive parents. I think, honestly, I feel like it's just like really just unknowing. Um, like just thinking that like, uh, 
er erasing the past for a new future and like becoming so fixated on like I'm giving you good memories like why would you want to remember the bad ones type thing you know and I mm. like from that place of like okay. just unintentionally trying to erase yeah 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 okay and especially they knew the foster um your environment you know your adoptive parents knew what you came from so I guess yeah they're protecting you now. Let's erase all that and move forward. Yes. I got it. Very, very, uh, I will say that a skill set that they have is forward movement. Let's stop going back there. And that's something gotcha. to me, like as an adopted person, there's a fixation on the past where I can't move forward unless I understand back there. So if Ooh, I that there. is me all day. I, I need to understand yes. so I can move forward. Yes. Authentically. I get that. I get that. Okay, so thank you for interjecting that because it was on my mind and then left me. Thank you for interjecting that. So now we have Maven and I want to know who you are today and all the amazing things that you are doing because now you've grown and you've overcome. So go. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Um... I guess now I am, let's start off with my marriage. Um, I'm newly married. Um, Congrats. My wife really stabilizes me as a person. I feel like this is the first relationship where I'm not bringing my my stuff in there. It's still stuff that I'm still healing from, but I'm not like projecting. I'm, I can you know communicate my needs effectively without getting upset. Um, what else? Um, I'm a self-employed person, so I'm a social media manager and a life Congratulations coach. on that. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> I think, um, I've developed a sense of like hyper independence. Like I don't want to rely on anybody for anything, including how I make my money. So I want to like just be in control of everything because I felt so out of control, like my whole life with things. So I've noticed like, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Like I, I, I don't like people to do things for me. So I think that it's a skill and a curse a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. What else? Um, I've kind of also had like a passion for um, connecting with other black adoptees also. So like these like types of like conversations are like yeah. so therapeutic for me as a person where I feel like they validate, um, they validate like the little boy me of like, it's okay to talk about this. Like you're not a bad it person is. talking about you're not. Um, and it also kind of like reclaims or it helps me reclaim the power over the situation into submitting to the victim role because I feel like sometimes this stuff can be so heavy where it's easier to commit to being a victim as opposed to a survivor. Um, and I say survivor because what I think about is like adoptee, like separated from your mother, you're going through all these, you know, different things and all this stuff. And it's like, you never got a chance to just like, like recognize that or be at peace with that. Um, but to answer your question, that's kind of like me. Um, I'm, uh, what else? Um, I'm a very educated person. Um, school was always like my release. Um, okay. Just, I don't know, reading information, researching, um, though that those overly analytical aspects that we were talking about earlier actually helped me in school, um, business. So it's like the weak points that we view as weak or labeled as sometimes actually helped me in my real world life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, a, I guess, a little bit of information about me. I'm also just being modest because one of my pet peeves is talking about myself. And I'm like, I've been talking about myself for almost an hour. So I kind of. Um, and that's and, and that's why you're here to talk about yourself and to tell your story and to help others heal and to help others, you know, give insight. I think your story is amazing. 
and it should speak to the adoptive parents letting them know what not to do yeah. because this is the you know it could turn out like this hmm. and you know giving people another way or telling them you should handle it like this and not like this your story is powerful but i'm gonna tell you what i see i see an overcomer i see a look at me now i see i mean <laughs> I see a person that walked through a lot and even in having walked through a lot, you're still standing. The end period, you are still standing. And that's a testimony all by yourself. So that is what I see when I hear your story. Uh, you're welcome. I needed that validation. Um, also, I want to piggyback off what you're saying. Um, also, like I've been this, this is like been my little new thing is trying to be like more bold in my faith before i would like you know go back and forth with my belief in jesus right and i feel like sometimes it was a scripture that my aunt actually shared with me it, i think it was like psalms something where it was talking about how our souls will be fragmented into different pieces and mm -hmm. when i think about how that translates to adoption sometimes i feel like we have to be broken down in the sense to be humbled so I you gotta come on and preach a word. <laughs> I personally feel like my my parents were unintentionally or unknowingly uh, they had a lot of ego and pride, and I absorbed a lot of that. And I feel like my experience has broken me down so much to seeing where I actually come from has humbled yeah. me so much to be reminded of like. I will never be a prideful person or I will never have an ego that is so high where I'm not reminded of where I've come from because sometimes, you know, again, like seeing how I was raised and where I come from are like this. And it is so overwhelming to recognize. And again, I'm just being polite in the delivery of this because like a lot of, but you get what I'm saying. Like where it's, it's humbling to see I was, I'm here, but I, I was here. And I need to always have a, a mindset of like remaining right here because here is, is I don't know what, what is this? This is a scripture. I think it's like a proverb scripture. I can't remember. Humility, come uh, humility before honor. I think it is. And it's like now I feel like I'm in a state of like I've been humbled, and now I can be honored in like the life that God has given me because I've been humbled. And I think adoption, it's painful, but it's also very humbling on a soul level. Mm. Okay. Okay. I love that. I love that. So before we wrap up here, is there anything else that you want to share? You want to shout out your business? Anything else you want to tell the people before we go? Um, I guess Don't I'll... be humble. Thank you me. have a platform. Shout it out. Okay, well... <laughs> I think your wife would say, do it. Well, I guess first, my Instagram is Breathe Love Wellness, so B-R-E-E-D-L-O-V-E -E Wellness. Um, and as I was saying before, is I'm also a life coach, but I'm still developing this aspect of the business. Um, so we're working with a grant writer to like get additional funding. So we started a nonprofit that is 501c3. I think I always get tongue tied with that. Yeah, 501c3. Uh -huh. And we want to offer free life coaching to adoptees specifically. So we're working on two different programs. One is uh, helping adoptees navigate the dual identity of like adoptive and birth because I feel like it's so complicated to like mesh both of those entities together. Um, and the other one is a self-exploration program 
Um, so this is something that like I hope to uh, have more funding for in the next like two years. Like it's up on our website and everything, but I haven't done anything just yet because I'm also still healing. So I think um, within the next two years, like providing uh, coaching resources, free coaching resources to black adoptees specifically um, is something that I uh, would really like to do. Um, but I think lastly in close, um, I think a motivational thing, I want to hit on two or three quick points. Like if you're an adoptee that is looking to tell your story, find friends or peers that will listen and practice communicating about your story because the more you communicate about your story, the less power it has over you and do not be upset if anyone is mad about the truth that you're professing. And my wife says, says this all the time. If, if they, if whoever is challenging you, they would have given you a different story to tell. Um, so tell your story unapologetic, unapologetically. Secondly, if you are an adoptee that has been rejected uh, by your birth family or and or adoptive family, I think um, writing is something that has personally helped me um, just kind of like gather my own emotions. I want to encourage you to write um, and read, read your emotions to yourself out loud. Lastly, um, if you are an adoptee that is struggling with weighing adoptive and biological, recognize that you do not have to pick a side and that you are the most important. And if you can understand empathetically everybody's roles, everybody can understand yours. Because a, a way that I think is like, I can understand four people's viewpoints, but yet it's so challenging for all four of those people to understand my viewpoint. And I think that it's a superpower that we have is the, the, a higher level of emotional intelligence. And I want to encourage you to keep that perspective. And I, that wraps it up. I mean, that's it. That's it. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Adoption Journey podcast. Continue to tell your story. Continue to shout it from the mountaintops because it is powerful. It is so powerful. And thank you, family, for joining us yet on another journey of the Adoption Journey podcast. And until next week, bye, family. <laughs>